How many minutes late am I? <laughs> Live from Ramiro's. It's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Dirt bike test. Um, we are going to talk about dirt bikes and dirt bike related problems. I'll probably complain about a few things and you can ask questions. Hopefully you asked your questions earlier on some of the posts we put up on dirt bike test. Uh, if you didn't, and my computer comes back alive, I can take some of the uh, questions live, or if I see them kind of scroll across the uh, stream that we're using here, I can see that. Hopefully the sound is good. Um, seemed like it was good earlier when we did a little bit of a check. And that way, uh, you can hear me and uh, I can't hear you, So, which might be a good thing. Who knows? Judging by some of the uh, comments I've seen uh, in the past, uh, that's a good thing. So uh, Pat asked me, what's up? I'm going to tell you what's up. That's why I'm here. Uh, this is show number six. Um, we started this because I had some of the equipment, and I said, I've been sitting there looking at it, and it's time to do this, communicate with our audience, um, get some two-way communication. This is a way for you to ask us, Dirt Bike Test, some questions about the things we've been doing, uh, the things I've been testing, and trying to, uh, you know, it, it gives us a direction on where we can go because we are responsive. The media these days is real responsive, and I'm going to get into what I think about media later because I had a couple um, interesting experiences uh, recently that I will talk about. But um, a couple things you should know about what we've been doing. Uh, we put up a couple new videos on our YouTube channel, and incredible. Yeah. I'm going to answer that phone right now. No, and I hope that didn't disconnect me. <laughs> I should have shut that off. Rule number, I think it's rule number two of uh, podcasting, broadcasting. Shut your damn phone off. I'm a novice. I'm still a novice at this thing. So we've been putting up new, a lot of new uh, video content on our YouTube channel. Some product uh, explanations, we'll call them. Uh, they don't really go into the full test. The full test is up on dirtbiketest.com. And a lot of times it's something that we have tested where we're confident uh, that we know everything about it. That's when the test is written on dirt bike test. If it's just an explanation of how something works, we may still be testing it and still be learning. And we're going to give you all the information that we have where we can talk about uh, the things that you might be interested in, the things we're learning as you know someone that's new or, or getting familiar with a product. So... Uh, we did one on the Motion Pro MP metric tool, something I've been using since they introduced it. They sent me one, and now it is the one go-to tool. And I, when I take off and we're just shooting photos, I drop this little thing in my backpack. That way I have something to fix. Yeah, most of the little things you'll come up, or mostly tune, to tune my bike. Uh, I, I'm picky about suspension sometimes, but not as much as some of the guys I ride with. So uh, another thing, we do an explanation of the Recluse Auto Clutch. A little bit of a techie thing where we show you what's inside of a Recluse, how it works, talk about it. It's a backup to the, te uh, the um, Recluse tuning story that we've had that gets a lot of traffic on our website. So it's a little bit different than the real tech videos that Recluse puts out. It's a little more cut and dry, and here's what we do. And then it, it just provides you with a lot of information in one spot to check that stuff out. And uh, soon we're going to have a video on the JD jetting tuning we've been spending so much time with lately. So those um, 
uh, JD jetting tuners are really valuable, especially with a lot of the bikes that are kind of corked up. And that way you can basically jet your new era four stroke. Uh, and man, I don't know if I've seen one for the new TPI bikes, but you, I'm sure they'll have one. You can jet your new fuel injected bike to work however you want it to work with whatever setup you have. So I'm going to take a second here and try to get my, oh, it's still doing updates, so I can't see your stuff. Um, somebody's signing up for my riding school. That's what the, that's what the, uh, the phone was about. So that's what I do. On, that's my day job, by the way. I'm a washed up motorcycle racer and I teach uh, riding schools. Imagine that. Nobody else does. I, I thought I was the first one to do that, but maybe not. So anyhow, um, let's see. The question that came up uh, pretty good, uh, I'm Sam Felipe Bob, I'm doing good. Glad we can chat here while I'm talking to a few other people, maybe 18 other people according to my feed. Um, doing great. But I want to thank the guys that are always the fans. So I got Sam Felipe Bob out there. Um, I have uh, Greg Yoder who shares almost every post that Dirt Bike Test does, which is really, um, that's very kind of you and I'm glad you believe in the stuff that we do. Um, this is a kind of right now kind of a love affair. I'm going to get into that a little bit later uh, when we talk about where stuff is going in your motorcycle editorial world. But uh, we want to thank the guys that are constantly watching. We have a few people you can tell that are consistently paying attention to what they're doing. They've fit us into our schedule. We appreciate that. That's super cool. So let me see here. Uh, I'm going to make another modification on my computer here real quick maybe maybe not I think this has internet access <laughs> let's see uh, don't restore that no and do this here sorry for this we had a, a, a fatal internet no I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> so um, Let's see, some questions that we're going to answer from uh, some of the things we posted up. Why run a recluse? Uh, good question. Because it all of a sudden does everything you need to do. Imagine if you were perfect working your clutch lever. That's what a recluse does for you. That's not to say there aren't some disadvantages or downsides to it, but for the most part, for most riding situations, that auto clutch does everything you would like to be doing with your two fingers on that clutch lever and makes it so that the bike doesn't stall and it hooks up and it gets traction when it needs to get traction. It, it does it better than most everybody but top riders in the world um, because it's mechanical. And the reason is, is it it decides that the motor's spinning too slow, I have to release the clutch. And it's all done with springs and weights and a very interesting um, clutch plate in there, the EXP disc that we explained in this video, that does all the work for you. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're riding up a hill and you stall, since the motor stops working, guess what? Your bike's in neutral and then it's gonna wanna roll backwards. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you aren't very smart and you try to take off in fifth gear, that recluse is going to slip the clutch for you better than you can slip the clutch. And it's going to build up a lot of heat and do bad stuff when you should have started off in first gear. 
it will slip the clutch as if you were going to take off in fifth gear. So it doesn't shift the transmission for you. It just modulates the clutch in accordance with what the engine is doing. You can set it up differently. We talk about this in the video. We talk about this in our, our tech tip um, based on how you want it to engage, when you want it to engage, how long you want it to stay engaged for. Um, there's different setups to make your uh, clutch lever work like a regular clutch. So you can pump the clutch if you want to or get a boost of extra power if you don't think that turning the throttle is enough. So what is it for? If you're a novice rider, it's just like riding a Honda 50, you know, when or a Honda 110 or a Kawasaki 110 with those auto clutches in there. It's just like that. You don't have to do any of the work. It does it for you. So why would you run that? Maybe I'm not very comfortable with the clutch or maybe I want to jump a skill level because I'm always stalling my bike and this will stop that problem. Or you're lazy. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm lazy sometimes and I just want to take things out of my brain and all of a sudden um, you can do that. It makes harder trails easier and when you're talking about like novice to intermediate level riders it kicks them up a certain skill level once they learn to trust the clutch to do what it does um they're really really that good at doing stuff so why why would you run one um that's up to you um some people think they're for novices or they're for wussies or whatever you know somebody doesn't know how to ride so you decide i don't i'm just telling you how it works I run them in my bike, so the um, is that an endorsement? I don't know. <laughs> Some people don't like the stuff I do in my bikes, so that's uh, question number one. Question number two. Hold on a second. We're get, we, we we came alive down here. I'm going to be able to get to that that page where I can watch what the heck's going on and get these questions live. Uh, there. Okay, a couple more clicks and I'm I'm alive. Oh yeah. Hopefully this doesn't shut down the whole the rest of the internet's here at Romero's. By the way, low tide. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yes. Yes. This is getting better. Hope everybody has a suds open at home if you're old enough. Um, if you're not, then um, have a. Coke, yeah, Coke. That's good. Have a Coca-Cola, and uh, in I was gonna say an energy drink, but I don't have an energy drink sponsor, so I can't really promote that stuff. Let's see. I've lost connection on one device, and I'm back on the other. So hopefully, you're not losing this much. If you are getting this, and oh, we're, we're, I, my stream got resumed here. If if you are getting this and it starts dropping out. We do post this up onto Dirt Bike Test and onto our YouTube channel on Wednesday morning, or at least we do our best to. So you can follow it there, and I suggest, so you don't have to look at my face all the time, listen to this like it's a podcast, unless you're here to ask questions, and I'm really, really trying to get to the point where I answer the questions. I see it. I see it. It's almost loaded up. Let's see. Let's see. I saw somebody somebody mention what beer they were drinking. Yeah. Good thing you're sitting at home. I'd have more, but I'm driving home, so. Uh, let's see here. It's trying to s give me some ads. No. Um, we try to protect you from that. Let's see. Live. Live here. 
live. Oh, come on. I usually, I do usually prep uh, for this a little bit better. Um, but, okay, I'm going to let that thing do some work on its own and get back to the thing. So, the questions. Uh, you ask questions, we have answers. These are the, the questions that people posted um, on the website when we said we're coming on. Uh, usually we put up a couple of posts like that, go through them, review them. And... Is desmogging necessary on current four-stroke uh, bikes? So if you're talking about like an EXC or one of the Honda Xs or a Yamaha WR, the answer depends on the bike. There's different levels of what we would call smogging. Oh, here we go. Hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Uh, let's see. Click for more. I'm clicking for more. <laughs> and I'm back up. Here we go. Okay. Hey, John, I got your boots. Just saw that you joined. Yeah, big old size 14 boots for uh, Big John. One of these days, you're going to have to come and sit right here, and then we can talk about how you destroy boots. Uh, so back to desmogging on different bikes. It's It's kind of a... It depends on what you're doing. I mean, certain bikes, just leave them stock and ride them. They work really, really good. And I always tell people, because everybody thinks desmogging means more power, and for certain aspects it does, and for certain aspects you're trying to kind of eliminate one of the, you know, some, some characteristic that it does that's a little bit awkward. And so some of the bikes that have throttle stops for sure you want to desmog those because <laughs> like why would you want to ride with a bike that has a full throttle and you're only work on half it but on that subject if you're riding your smog bike let's just say we're talking honda sierra 450x and you're riding it around and you're saying it doesn't have power but you're not feeling the end of the throttle the twist of the throttle and you're feeling the end of the throttle stop you're not using all the power that bike has you don't need to desmog it for more power. You can change the power character by desmogging it, but you know, trying to get more power and you're only using the first eighth, that's like, you know, I see guys riding around the track on their 450 and they're saying, I need more power, and some kid on an 85 goes blowing by them. You don't need more power. You need to learn how to ride that bike. So if you're if you're desmogging that aspect for power, think about am I using the power the bike's already giving me? Then you start going, okay, it has some weird characteristics. It's surgy or it backfires. Um, the surgy is for the leanness, a lot of times on the acceleration, and the backfiring is a little bit of, it's usually a rich condition that causes the backfiring, but they also inject air. There's, uh, most of these bikes have an air injection system that, that uh, essentially puts air into the exhaust. And those, um, when you talk about these block-off kits they have, um, or you can manually make it so that air doesn't get pumped into that system in different ways. So that's more of a, a nuisance. It doesn't really affect the power all that much. Um, when you're talking about how um, those systems work, it's, and then all the evaporative stuff very, very rarely has any effect on power other than some of it sucks the, the spilt, fuel or the the oil out of the engine you know the over the blow through on the engine and it puts it back into the intake track so that the bike can burn it 
So that can be a little bit of a problem as well. Hey, George. Oh, you need to get some money? <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Yeah. They got to service the ATM machine here. <laughs> so everybody needs money, right? I'm going to I'm going to break into that thing when you're turning around. Is there a combination lock on that? <laughs> so anyways, uh, so the the those systems depending on whether you need to remove them, they they don't affect the power and you are essentially just kind of tuning tuning the bike. I remember on some of the some of the older KTMs when you filled them all the way up, there was such a draw or a suction on the the vent hose that if you had the tank totally full it would suck gas into the evaporative system and then the bike would r constantly run rich so that was a little bit of a problem uh yeah i would i would recommend removing it at that point so if you need to desmog it you got to understand why you're desmog it and then the big topic of conversation is like the reeds that ktm is using inside the intake track now and again go back to I think those help the power for about zero to three quarters throttle, which is where I'm riding most of the time. But when you start going wide open at that point, then there is a little bit of a, it's a restriction inside the intake. So you have to say, well, am I riding it wide open? Or am I doing big hill climbs where I really need that power? Am I willing to sacrifice the, the benefit that I feel in torque to get, um, a little bit different power character characteristic and a lot of times when you see some of the things that are sold you know that come with a dyno chart and everything the bottom end the the power curve on the bottom is a little bit more aggressive maybe a lot more aggressive or you're actually losing stuff on the bottom you're losing torque on the bottom where you're really riding it and it causes the bike to spin and get harder to ride sure it has more power absolutely is that better you decide so that's my take on that. It's kind of a real-world take. It doesn't really go very far with people who are trying to sell stuff that make things more powerful all the time. I'd rather, you know, invest instead of brake pads. So that's that one. Um, I had another question. What is the best PSI to run in your tires out in the desert? Um, there is not a generic number or tire pressure that's magic that will be a do-all, win-all for the desert. It depends on what tire you're running. It depends on what kind of a feel you want, and it depends on how bad you are at hitting rocks. Um, you know, if you start, if you're just smacking into every rock, you need to probably run a little bit higher tire pressure. But I've seen guys, and so the, so the, the, the reader who wrote in for that is um, Logan. No, no, no. Logan was the one who... Uh, thankfully answered the emissions uh, desmogging question. Thank you, Logan. Um, it's Jesse was asking about the tire PSI. And the, the thing I've seen before is I've seen people run high pressures. He says he runs 19 and 20. And at 19 and 20, you're losing so much traction and your bike gets so deflecty off of rocks and things that you hit in the desert. And even the same thing if you're talking about riding in tree roots and things. You start putting too much pressure in there, your bike gets harder to ride. And so instead of being able to steer around things like you should, it's ricocheting off of stuff. So you lose a substantial amount of traction. So it's you're kind of you've kind of gone overboard on the on the extra air to solve the problem. If you're like that and you just can't help yourself, they luckily they make mooses. And mooses are awesome because you'll never get a flat. 
and the mooses are getting a lot better these days, especially the ones that are that are fresh. Um, and there, were, there was a big delay in some of the mooses we used to be getting here, so they were unfresh and they would wear out quickly. But now some of the mooses are getting here quicker. More people are using them. It's more common. And now you can get a moose that lasts a long time and is incredibly durable, and you'll never get a flat. So that eliminates the problem. I've used some of the other systems, like the tubeless system. Um, you still can get flats. Um, you're just not going to pinch a tube. And the amount of times that you pinch a tube that was properly installed is actually pretty minimal unless you really smack into something. So um, I run, so most of the time out here in Pahrump, Nevada, where we have plenty of rocks, I run 12 PSI. And, and depending on the tire, you know, sometimes at 13. So if I'm running a Dunlop uh, AT81, for instance, I run 12 and sometimes down to 11. If I'm running, uh, we just got, I just pulled a set of Michelin Star Cross 5s off of our 450X, and I was running that at 13. It's a little bit softer carcass. I got really good feel out of that at 13. Once I started going to 14, I started noticing a problem. Uh, I run Kenda Parker DTs all day long. That's what we use on our school bikes. That's what I run. That's what I would choose to run out here on my own. By the way, run in the hard direction, not the intermediate direction because the braking goes out. Um, I run those at 12 all day long, every day. So hopefully that answers your question. Play with it. Try it. Try different pressures. Don't just go 19 or 20 because somebody told you that's the pressure. Um, this is why you test things, and I know everybody wants to just plug and play, and hopefully that answers it. And our next question of the day from Mitch Orb. Mitch is also another guy who's a really big supporter of this show and Dirt Bike Test in general. He said, Jimmy, if you could have one bike for the rest of your life, what would you have? And I guess we're talking about having a bike like today. I just have to walk away with one bike. I would take my 2012 to 2016 KTM 500 without question, no doubts about it. Uh, because I know that bike. Uh, it's the one bike that I can do everything with. I can take it out and run king of the hammers king of the motos trails i don't want to i'd rather take my 200 but i could run those trails if i wanted to and then i can also take it and turn it into an adventure bike um, i can put my acherby's five gallon tank on it i can change the gearing a little bit add some light saddlebags and go long distances no problem there's very few other bikes that can have that kind of a range to them you know, the Husky 501 would do very similar stuff because it's kind of the same bike. The newer one, I don't have a ton of experience with the newer one. Um, we've just tested it a few times. And I know the durability of my old one. I've got two of those bikes that have over 500 hours on them, and they haven't been torn down yet. My one with less than 500 hours, I tore it down because I wanted to check stuff, and the only thing that needed to re be replaced was valve guide seals. So... We did do a piston and rings and checked everything else out. I threw a cam chain in one once because I thought it was wearing. But So there, there are two wear items on that engine. It's the clutch dampers. It's the little dampers inside of the clutch. And then the other wear item is the valve guide seals. And those depends on how hot you get that motor. Um, and I'm pretty sure that KTM has a slightly updated part on that and so my older ones were the ones that were having the problems with the valve guide seals so 
Um, we've actually seen them turn into smokers and then stop being smokers. And it wasn't because they ran out of oil. So, and we didn't put uh, top end rebuild in the can in there. So that's the one bike I would have. Uh, it's a do all bike, a great bike. And in fact, when people ask me the question, Hey Jimmy, what's the right bike for me? I just say KTM 500. I don't need to know anything about you. I just say that because it's a pretty good catch blanket to throw over. And, um, I've bought every one of the KTM 500s I have. I don't get any uh, support or help from KTM on that. So I want a 790, though. I'd really like a 790. I bet you want to know what I think about the 790. I didn't want to fly 30 hours over to Morocco to ride around for about an hour and a half or so and then say I rode it and then come back here. I may or may not have ridden one earlier, pre whatever, Um I have a lot to say about that bike, but until I actually have a production bike underneath me that I can ride it in conditions I'm familiar with, you're going to have to rely on all the other stuff you've read or seen or heard. So I am going to go over to the questions, but thanks guys for sending in those questions. It makes it uh, easier to answer because I don't have to look over at this computer screen and then try to read. And another thing I'm going to do tonight, uh, tonight, one night only, uh, no, I might do it more. I'm going to stick around after I shut down the camera. I'm going to stick around on the dirt bike test live, uh, chat that's going on here and answer some of the questions. I'll go back and try to answer some of the questions and I'll kind of keep that going off camera cause I'm going to have to, uh, try to eat my dinner and I'm in a good mood right now because we have rain in the forecast and I'm going riding tomorrow when it rains it's going to be awesome. So looking forward to that. Uh, not looking forward to having to upload this onto the tubes of you and uh, doing the work that's involved in putting this stuff up. So um, I'm going to go to the live questions really quick. I see you guys are having like some good little private chats. Has Bob answered all my questions for me just yet? Um, usually he's on the, on the internet's trying to handle it. He's like a producer. $5 on black. No, did you see how much money George loaded into that machine? He should have given me a couple bucks. Uh, let's see. I'm scrolling down. Evening, Jading Cheddar for, is good. That's good, Morgan. Okay, Morgan. Uh, I got I don't want to butcher the name. Sprand. Spr names and faces are my nemesis. Sprandling. Uh, Morgan runs uh, Montrose. He has this, the, the motorcycle shop up in Montrose. I'm so drawing a good name problem here. He's a really good source of information. I know he does some of these Facebook Lives as well. Uh, the guy's super enthusiastic, and I've run into him a few times. I've stopped by his shop. The cool thing I like about Morgan, he's all about the land use issues. He's all about keeping riding areas open. He's super into the kids, and... That's the future, and that's the kind of enthusiasm that I try to... I don't have any kids, but uh, I like seeing kids go riding. I like seeing kids uh, on dirt bikes. We need the kids on the dirt bikes instead of just going like this with their da-da-da-da-da-da, like that. So um, pumped that Morgan's checking us out. He asked me to be uh, on his podcast. I'm going to do that, uh, his live thing. Let's see. As soon as my computer... Let's see. I'm going to run a clue now. How am I... Okay, here's a good one. Jimmy, I'm running a recluse now. How can I compensate for the loss of engine braking on downhills? Matt Reeves. So, Matt, the answer is it's in, it's a little bit in setup. 
is your bike disengaging? Like, is it freewheeling? Um, if it is, there's some setting tips, and we have that on our website that you can look at, where you might run a little bit lighter springs so it stays engaged longer. You may run heavier wedges, depending on your bike, if they have them available, that'll keep it engaged longer. The other trick to this is to turn your idle up just a little bit. So if you turn your idle up, it doesn't let the motor drop down and it keeps that clutch engaged. Because that's the trick, is you want it to stay engaged just enough to where it doesn't stall. But if remember, if you lock your brake up and then it goes into like complete idle, sometimes you need to give it a little snap of gas to actually get the braking to come on. So that's a learned technique that you have to do with your recluse. That's something I know to do. Like if my bike, all of a sudden I'm going down a steep downhill and I lock up the brake for a long time, I lift it up, I know I have to come back on the gas to get that clutch to engage to utilize the engine braking. There are setup tips to help with that for sure, but there's also um, some techniques that would really help. Just like I know when my bike stalls for some reason, uh, I'd better get my foot on the brake pedal or do something uh, so I don't start rolling backwards. Um, okay, my 12, Bob, his 12-year-old son loves his recluse. I'm going to get down through these things. I, I'm blaming Janie. Janie, our bartender here for the internet drop, because I saw where she logged in. I know she's using the uh, same, uh, <laughs> yep, okay. So there's the internet. So you open this up to the internet, and you get all kinds of weird things. I'm sure if you're on the chat, you've seen this. Let's see, left my 350 EXCF alone, but there are websites that sell fuel rails, turning tools, but I think the bike is fine. Yes. Hey, Nick, Nick Ferringer. I remember Nick, I met Nick through the guys at uh, Ride PG, Ride Power Sports. Um, I wish they were still making me my graphics. I had some of the best graphics ever. Um, through them. Uh, Nitro Moose, thumbs up. Yes, I run a lot of Nitro Moose stuff. They're really good. Kevin Walker, Kenda Parker DT front mounted hard, preaching that for 12 years, or for years. 12, also my magic number. Jimmy knows dirt bikes. 12 pounds. Okay. Ke me and Kevin running the same setup. Amazing. Because it's a good setup. I promise. You should try it sometime. Uh, let's see. How's the Christini two-wheel drive on the 1090? Who saw that? <laughs> it's it's a prototype in progress testing. I'll let you know when I know more. Uh, yes, it's freewheeling. Um, perfect makes sense. Check that. Great job. Mitch with home with the sore tooth says the feed is good. I'm stoked that the feed is good. I'm glad everybody's watching. Um, and now let's see, I know, I know what I wanted to talk about. I was going to go on a tirade on, um, on some of the stuff on social media I've seen lately. And so a lot of times when we're going to put up something, I search around to see what else comes up when I search it. And remember when you search, you have to realize that it's, it's the Google bots are looking at you and what you look at to feed you information. And if you start watching all of these asshats, for lack of a better term, if you're constantly watching that and you're watching like a guy who's going to test a recluse clutch riding around without a helmet, or you're going to watch um, a bunch of crash videos and then you want a really good motorcycle test by uh, legitimate guys, 
and you seem to get being fed a bunch of videos of guys testing bikes that are crashing constantly. If that's how you want to ride your motorcycle, and that's what you want to watch, then good, you're on the right thing. But you've got to remember that that this kind of stuff, it's it's fed to you in a certain reason, a certain direction, and it's all they want is your eyeballs. They want to want your eyeballs, and then they want to serve you ads. That's all that's going on in the background. They don't want to... Well, they kind of want to give you the best information, but they want to give you something that you're going to watch. So you have to be careful about that. And so it kind of got me pissed off today because I saw a kind of a legitimate question about how... It was a question related to how a bike handles and how a bike works. And and it had to do with um, center of gravity and some other stuff. And so I answered it. And coming from my riding coach side, and I've been asked this question a tons of times, when you start talking about center of gravity, uh, which it's, it's crazy, you got to remember that you are on your motorcycle and what you do affects the motorcycle. A motorcycle doesn't, doesn't, it just does what it does. It reacts to what you do. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went down this, a couple engineers got on there and all these faceless people that are sitting there um, posting on the internets uh, that don't necessarily have, you know, they're just, they're essentially, they're, it's like it's like the message boards in the forums. Their credibility probably doesn't rely on the response they give. And so half of them just go off in this strange, like, you know, make some snarky, smart remark. It's like, yeah, well, I pee standing up, so uh, that's how I ride my motorcycle. Great. Really? What? Um, but it it just kind of degrades into something where it just goes off the rails and or there's so much things that come through, like where is this, you know, where's the expertise? And right now on the on the on the internets and the social media the good thing about it is everybody has a, a voice the bad thing is that everybody has a voice and you're starting to see that you're starting to see the break off of people that were associated with brands and here's where i was going to go with this i was at cycle world magazine for 12 years and i guarantee you when i was at cycle world magazine if you were a Cycle World reader, you knew the editors at that magazine. You knew who was in charge. You knew who was doing the street bike testing. You knew who was doing the off-road testing. You knew who the experts were in each area. I was there until um, I took over the editorship at Dirt Rider magazine. And before me, the editors before me, whether it was the guys who started it, who were there a little bit before me or right before me, you knew who those guys were, and each one of them had a voice. So that brand, that thing, it was Dirt Rider. It was always Dirt Rider, but it was the people behind it that made the magazine what the magazine was. Just like Cycle World, just like Trans World was, just like Racer X is, just like Motocross Action, which is probably one of the best examples, just like Dirt Bike is. Those are the brands. Some of those are now gone. And some of those are still around. And who's running them? Who's running some of these brands? And there's no voice behind. There's no, there's no personality. There's no character. Because they slowly tried to sell the credibility of the brand or the whoever's running it. Like, they say, oh, no, you, you can't do that. This, you know, we're, you know, they're up in some, some upper story um office you know i always wondered how i managed to get enough uh 
salary for a guy who was in the fourth story up there telling me how to run my magazine, uh, changing his ideas on a weekly basis. And that's probably why I wasn't there for that long after a lot of stuff starts changing. But the brand is kind of the reflection of the people that are behind it. And now that's gone. And the, the, the names you start hearing or you, you feel, you look and it's like, I'll tell you right now, they're not paying the salaries and stuff. The, the amount they're paying for those, those positions and stuff isn't worth, you know, the time of being there. And unfortunately, you're getting that kind of information and that kind of product testing. Like, it's just stuff comes across the desk. It's like open up the bag or the motorcycle comes. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to that intro and I need to put out like a a five-minute video, and I need to put a two-minute video out, and we need to write a test, and it all needs to be done by tomorrow. And that's not product testing. That's not the kind of stuff you can you can trust. And it it pisses me off when I have to go look at it because sometimes I have to look at it for you know research purposes. <laughs> but I'm not getting any information from some of this stuff. And there's other people that are doing it for the pure love of doing it, and that has its bad sides too. I feel like I'm here doing it for the love of doing it. I really do enjoy testing this. And my goal with dirt bike test in general is to bring up a whole new group of guys that can test to a high level so they're credible. So it's like your friend. It's your buddy that is telling you the way it really is. And we're not you know, bombarding you with ads because on these big brands now, go to any one of their websites. And when a big ad flashes up and pops up in front of you, what do you do? You click it off. There's plenty of you that are keep clicking it because they keep are able to keep selling ads, and it's less and less every year, and that's the way the stuff is going. So, you know, you have to kind of decide where you're getting your information from. Um, so, you know, it's going to get to the point where every, you know, now we have like insta insta bloggers and and guys. And there are a bunch of guys that, it, well, I don't know, it's different. You know, some of them work their way up to this position. I don't know where their credibility comes from. I don't know where they're at. Um, and some of them are just trust fund guys driving around in 4 by 4 Mercedes Sprinter vans that can't ride motorcycles. And all of a sudden, they've got the holy grail of, I got an intro invite. I'm going to an intro. And imagine them saying something bad because they're never coming back. And they're just, everything's good. Yeah, they're doing this. Hey, wait, I'm trying to get these. Can you give me some of these on the... Can I, can I have a bunch of these fly out of my feed right now? <laughs> so, who knows? So that's my, uh, that's my uh, tirade of the uh, thing. I feel like you need to earn your spot. You need, to, you need to, you know, earn it in a way that's not being decided by, you know... Uh, Google does a halfway decent job, but... Yes, three tacos. Please. Poor, poor flavor. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, my dinner time is getting interrupted, uh, this podcast, but you need to, you need to earn your spot. Um, you need to pay attention to what you're viewing and how you're viewing it. And hopefully we can kind of start sharing the quality stuff and we can, uh, thin the herd of, of stuff, you know, cause anybody can do what I'm doing right now. This is a few hundred bucks worth of equipment, and you can plug into the live stream. And guess what? The only thing you can't have is, I'm going to show you right now, this shirt. 
you, you can't have this shirt. <laughs> so, uh, dirt bike test. Brought to you this moment by Fuck You Racing. Go search it out on the Facebooks and buy a sticker. Maybe get a cool T-shirt. Um, the other sponsor of Dirt Bike Test this evening is Jimmy Lewis Off-Road. That's my riding school. If you want to become a better rider, um, I'm going to teach you how to balance your motorcycle and how to understand traction. That's it. Oh, and the four things a motorcycle does, which are super top secret, and I don't want to give it away because all the other riding coaches are trying to copy me. Uh, I think. <laughs> so, okay, back to the questions. Let's see. Um, let's see. Hey, Victor, you should come down and you should come down and bring a popsicle and do a, a taco tech taco Tuesday because I know you're a CR five hundred guy and everybody likes a CR five hundred. Uh, two strokes, they're they're still hot. Everybody, I have a two stroke. I'm I'm good. So um, I know I'm totally NMF, NMF Jay. Yeah, you're not my friend either. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> the NMF tubes. Let's see. Eric Holt, love the old Jimmy Rig articles. You know, I love them too. I, I, every time I pull open an old Dirt Rider magazine, I, I, I go, man, I wrote that? <laughs> so uh, I should try to bring those back. But they took my computer with all that information on it. So I just have to read them um, kind of just like you do. Hey, look, my wife's on the forum, so you can, um, Heather, hi, Heather. So you can uh, chat with her. She can answer nine out of ten questions without referring to a reference manual, kind of like me. Okay, could you, Rodrigo, would like me to talk a little bit about the AMA Extreme Off-Road Series. I have to say, Rodrigo, I'm very in the dark about that. I know Eric Kudla um, did talk to me about it originally, and I kind of gave him what I thought would be good, you know, from my perspective, um, from doing the uh, King of the Motos, what I thought would really work out. And I don't know where they went with it. I know that they've got something going on. Um, hopefully it works out. I think there's, you know, anytime you start getting multiple organizations involved in different things, it's difficult. It comes down to... You know, there's a lot of sponsor stuff and who has control over it. I just, I just, I think it's an awesome forum. And uh, it's, a, it's great to promote the sport. But the, in reality, there's only a few guys. It's kind of like trials. There's just a few guys that are doing it. And they're really core enthusiasts. It makes great videos. And it's really expensive to give it the proper coverage that it needs. Uh, so um, I know the manufacturers would probably like to see it because they would like to put a top rider out in that series. And then they sell a lot of parts to you amateurs because that crushes motorcycles. Um, so, let's see. Um, let's see. Thank you, dude. I will bring some for sure. Yeah, popsicles. Um, so I'm going to scroll back here and see if I've seen... Uh, <laughs> Matt, thanks again for the traction tips you taught me when riding with Nobbies in the Dunes. Um, let's see. My tacos. Oh yeah, look at these. I'm gonna I'm gonna put them up to the camera. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get look at that right there. Let's see. Zoom it in. Good, good. I got to put a little salsa on them. Got it over here. Yes, uh, beer, please. There. Um. So that's it for um, 
the stuff we've been talking about here. I'll answer a couple more questions as we get a little bit further. I, my stream is catching up. Let's see. Back down here. Um, I know what I want to talk about. Another thing I kind of ran across on the um, social medias was about the... Uh, I, there, there, a couple weeks ago, there was a story about some guy that didn't get rescued when he pushed his button on his spot, um, and I'm not sure why, but I'm going to tell you why I think. Because the an antenna was covered up. doesn't work when the antenna's covered up. But um, a couple friends this week were asking about which is the best device, and that's, uh, again, you can do a lot of research on it, and there's probably people that are better at this than me, but I have been using a DeLorme... Well, it was called a DeLorme inReach when I bought it. Garmin bought this company a few years back, and I am not a big fan of Garmin's stuff. Uh, it's good at kind of what it does, but when you start trying to do other stuff with it, it makes it difficult. But this is still functioning kind of like it did when it was just a straight-up DeLorme. It's very simple, and here's the reason I use the inReach. Because I only need this one device. The battery life in it is really good. And through this device, I can communicate via satellites my position of where I'm at, depending on which plan I have, how quick it updates. I can communicate through text messages if something minor goes wrong. I have preset things that tell people that are on my list what's going on. I'm starting my ride. I'm ending my ride. Jimmy's having an issue. He's delayed. And it's just a couple of quick button pushes to get those messages out. And then it has the same SOS feature as any of them when you flip it over. It just really depends on which satellite network, network your device, whether it's this or a spot or there's a few others, are connected to how that system is enabled. And then usually there's some sort of an insurance plan that you can supplement with when you're doing this. So the main reason that I use the inReach, I recommend it when I train with guys that are doing rallies and stuff and... The reason I recommend this one is for the simple fact that without having to connect to a phone or pair to something else or rely on something else that also has a battery in it, I can send messages and receive text messages so that you can communicate. And that has been very valuable for me. Uh, we actually were riding out in the forest and we saw a forest fire start. Um, it was actually started by a, somebody who th started it on purpose, actually. It was kind of crazy. Uh, but... And we are able to text with this to a few key people to, hey, call, and here's my GPS location. Somebody started a fire here. We need to get this thing going. Um, we need to get somebody to respond to it. That was the, the one real kind of emergency situation I've used it in. I've been able to tell people that I'm delayed or that I ran out of gas. I was an idiot once, and I ran out of gas, and I was able to get gas delivered to me. <laughs> so uh, that was the one time I was an idiot, by the way. Um, and, and then I've had friends that have crashed and been hurt and they were able to say, Hey, look, it's not super serious, so I don't need to activate SOS. And then we've also had a friend who actually broke his back and he was able to activate the SOS and was rescued because of that. But you need to know how your device works. Like for instance, when you push help on a spot, I don't know if people know this, but if you push help, it resends that message every 10 minutes. And I've had people that have got the help message, and they thought, oh, my God, it's a real problem because so-and-so is panicked. They keep hitting help. 
Well, it resends it automatically, and I don't know if it's still that way, but that's the way it was uh, back in the past when we saw that happen. A lot of people panicked when it was just a minor help. It was like, I've fallen over, I'm stuck under my bike. Uh, Pete didn't say it. Uh, poor Pete. He's a little guy, heavy bike. Anyways, um, so you, you kind of need to know how your device works. You need to read the instructions, and you need to make sure that this antenna has a clear view of the sky so that it really works. Uh, don't blame the device for it outthinking you. So uh, hopefully that answers a couple questions. Um, let's see, uh, handmade habanero. No, I already burp enough when I'm doing this from drinking the beers. Let's see, I'm gonna scroll up here, find where I'm at. Let's see, you are in Sonora. Uh, no, I'm not in Sonora. How much is the subscription to InReach? Uh, the plan I use is about 30 bucks a month, and I update about every 10 minutes. Um, I know they have one that's uh, closer to 100 bucks a month that up updates every two minutes. Um, but it's a pretty pretty good. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's it's expensive until you really need it, and then it and then it kind of works out. So let's see. Um, I think, that's it, where are we at? Got a lot of people joining here. I'm trying to scroll back and see if we have any other, any additional questions. A little bit about, and uh, da, da, da. I think that I might have hit most of the questions. If, you, if you've seen any questions up earlier that I didn't get to, um, I can uh, go ahead and repost them right now, and I'll kind of take a look at it. And like I said, I'm going to stick around a little bit after we shut the camera down and try to uh, answer a lot of the questions that we're, we're getting at. I'm actually not even sure how long we've been going for. I just feel like I've been rattling on forever and ever, which, uh, you know, Jimmy, shut up. <laughs> so see if I have anything else on my, uh, on my list here. No, I think that was it. Um, one of the things we've been up to in the shop, uh, we just, and right after I do this, I'm going to post a little video. We, uh, Since it's going to rain, uh, that motivated me to get our long-term Honda CRF450X all prepped up through some new Dunlop uh, AT81s on there uh, because I just took the Michelin's off, and I want to go back to a stock to kind of feel the difference because I have a really good suspension setting for those tires and I wanted to go back to see if it changes the kind of the bump compliance and the feel on the bike. And uh, we've got a really good setting on our JD jetting tuner with our FMFQ. I put an Instagram, you got to follow us on all the channels, Instagram video up that shows what that setting really is. And as soon as I sit down long enough, I'm going to do the big update that talks about the parts that we've broke, the stuff we've worn out. And speaking of worn out, what we did wear out was the sprocket and chain, like to a level that was pretty, like it needed to be changed a long time ago. And then we wanted to change the buffer pads and stuff. And here is the thing with having a new bike. It's great to have a new bike. And especially when you're in the, in the media, it's great to have a new bike. But a lot of times it's like we ride it enough to wear stuff out and there's parts that aren't available and we want to go to the aftermarket and they're like, oh yeah, and they send you something. So like TM Design Works sent us their chain slider, the, the swing arm pad slider that they were pretty sure was going to fit. And guess what? New part. Thanks, Honda. They're changing little things all the time. 
Um, we did get the uh, chain guide on the bottom. That worked. Uh, Sunstar sent us sprockets and chains. Countershaft sprocket. Guess what? New part. Nope. So I had to put the old sprocket, countershaft sprocket on. Luckily, it was, it was good. Um, same thing with the TM Design Works skid plate. We wanted to put that on. Doesn't fit. There's a coolant catch tank now on the frame, and the frame is just a little bit wider. So these companies are working really hard to get this stuff out, and luckily sometimes we can do that before they send it out to the customer. Um, sometimes the customer just gets sent out what they think fits, and then, uh, then you know, after you ship it back and forth a few times, then you're upset. So uh, welcome to the uh, world of testing. That's what we do. Um, and if you have a company or something and you want something product tested, uh, we do that stuff um, on our website. Sometimes we do it and it's editorialized. Sometimes it's done in the background and you don't know about it. But it depends on we're going to be honest and we're going to talk about it uh, unless, you know, we're not going to talk about it. So hopefully that has answered all the questions. Um, let's see. I'm George Justice's friend, and I have a TTR 125. What does it idle? Why does it idle quickly for no apparent reason? Let's see. Uh, so, George, you let a 14-year-old kid take over your Facebook page. You are in trouble. He's, he's probably got your credit card numbers. Uh, if it idles high, there's an idle adjustment screw. You can fix that. Um, if it doesn't start very good, I'm going to say that your pilot jet is plugged or the gas these days is so bad. Um, what is, what is George, ask George what he recommends. He's going to recommend one of those seafoam or something like that. That'll fix everything. And um, let's see. Uh, Kip is asking, why do you alter your suspension settings dependent on how aggressively you intend to ride that day, especially big road work versus rocky slower sections that kind of sounds like an adventure bike question um uh basically altering suspension uh it it's a it's a rider feel thing it's kind of what i feel on the motorcycle and from playing with it on my own and i did this when i very first started learning how it worked i played with the compression adjustment the rebound adjustment to see what it did to the bike to find out what it does but on adventure bikes specifically, one of the things I do is I run the spring preload a lot of times quite maxed out because I want to have the bike up in the proper ride height. And generally, these bikes are so heavy, it doesn't really affect the bump compliance too much. And then I'll play with the clickers as I feel necessary. I set it up for riding in the dirt, plain and simple. I And generally, a stiffer setting works better on the street for more aggressive riding, but you're going to feel a little bit more of the chops and the ripples and things like that. And it just kind of goes the same for off-road. Um, and remember, your suspension is your second line of suspension. The tires are the first line of suspension. And the pressure, back to the original question of the pressure, the tire pressure not only affects traction, but it affects suspension feel. And then there's it's all the way down to how tight you torque the bolts on your frame can affect how your suspension works. So hopefully that answers your question, Kip. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Uh, and uh, good. Bob's in there answering the questions then. He's, he's got the TTR-125. Uh, put a carb kit on the bike. Yeah, carb kits. Got it. <laughs> um, anyways, 
Uh, um, I'm not authorizing anything anybody else says in the chat room. Uh, you gotta gotta get a real response from the uh, dirt bike test guys, or myself included. Um, actually, the guys I work with can't even watch this. It just bothers them too much. So, there's my tequila nemesis just rolled in. She's probably trying to sneak another one in here so that doesn't have any. Yeah, because she wants to get two ahead of me. But uh, if you ever come down to Ramiro's in Pahrump, Nevada, you can sit in the bar stool that will have my name on it soon, I'm told. Um, I think that's it. We're going to start wrapping this show up. I want to thank everybody for chiming in, watching, commenting. Uh, we are here to serve you. Hopefully we're here for a long time. Um, and if you got back to me recently about wanting to help us out with doing some product testing and test rider stuff, I promise you I'm getting back to you. I've just been super busy um, videotaping myself and watching myself on video editing software. And do anybody know anybody does that that's any good at it? Um, we'll see. So thanks for tuning in. We will see you out on the trail, hopefully. Cheers. <laughs>